Welcome back, folks, to our second episode of having a, a conversation with Bruce Holm. If uh, that name is not familiar to you, I'd encourage you to go back to the first episode that we've had, um, kind of hearing a bit about his story and, and uh, why he is who he is. At least that's his explanation of why he is who he is. <laughs> um, and uh, even, even for someone that uh, I thought knew uh, Bruce reasonably well, um, it's, it's always refreshing to hear things again in a different way or... Uh, for the very first time. And uh, what we're going to do now is I'm going to, I'm going to a quiz is the wrong term, I'm going to ask questions around things which I think are important for us to consider in the context of the, the faith and expression of church that we find ourselves in. And uh, I'm going to start by doing something a little bit, a little bit unusual. Um, interestingly, this book that I'm about to read from um, <laughs> came from Bruce and uh, not just came from Bruce, but you know, when I've, when I've shared the title with people. I mean, the title is Life Signs, but the, the, sub, the subscript to that is Intimacy, Fecundity, and Ecstasy in Christian Perspective. Someone said, is that a marriage book or something? <laughs> Any, anyway, um, Henri Nguyen is the uh, the author. That is probably one of the things that Bruce and I share in common is the, a love of the author, Henry Nouwen, or Henri Nguyen to those people <laughs> in the know, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and at the end of this book, he, um, he puts down a final prayer, and this prayer comes from a lady... Um, uh, her name is Etty Hillison. I don't know how you pronounce it. Yeah, a Dutch Jewish woman. And uh, during the Nazi persecution uh, in Holland during World War Two, she wrote this prayer down. And um, it's a subject of this little packet passage that I want to talk more about with Bruce. Um, and she says this. So bearing in mind, you know, the, the Nazis are going from town to town. They're pillaging. They're taking people into concentration camps. And she finds herself in this, in the midst of all this. And she says. All that really matters is that we safeguard that little piece of you, God, in ourselves, and perhaps in others as well. Alas, there doesn't seem to be much you yourself can do about our circumstances, about our lives. Neither do I hold you responsible, but we must defend your dwelling place inside us to the last. There are, it is true, some who even at this late stage are putting their vacuum cleaners and silver forks and spoons in safekeeping instead of guarding you, dear God. And there are those who want to put their bodies in safekeeping, but who are nothing more now than a shelter for a thousand fears and bitter feelings. Now, that's only just part of the prayer. But it does stop me in my tracks, Bruce, when I read that, because it essentially highlights in the midst of desperate persecution and suffering that the most important thing is the place inside us where Christ dwells. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of perhaps what will be seen in history is not equally, but in a different way, difficult and challenging and you know, tumultuous with all the temptations of the world, that, you know, what really matters when it's all said and done is that little place inside each of us that uh, is the place where Christ dwells. You know, I'd call it my, my faith, um, the gift of Christ, but whatever it is. And uh, that was the, the subject of some of the conversation that you and I had um, at the cafe that night was around, and, and this is your work as well, around um, the forming of that place mm -hmm. that Christ dwells or the forming of my life mm -hmm. out of the life of Christ in that dwelling place. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds a little bit kind of abstract and, and, and heavy-handed, but when it comes to anything that we would pursue or do in the name of Christ, mm -hmm. it, seems, it seems like a... Uh, not a fruitless exercise, but it seems, and perhaps it is when you read something like John 15, but to go out and do these things because that's what we should do mm. compared to 
um, living and dwelling and, and abiding in Christ mm. and nurturing that thing, that gift that we've been given mm. in order that our life would be transformed into something which represents mm. his mm. nature. So um, I, I'm interested to know, when you, when you are involved in teaching and shaping faith, <coughs> you, you use the term faith formation, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how would you respond to those things that I've just said and, yeah. and, and what, what strikes you and, and what do you think... Oh, you need to think a bit more deeply about that, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, I mentioned in our in our first podcast about uh, you know th- there were there were negative experiences and difficult experiences that shaped me, but they're also po- very positive ones. And one yeah. of um, one of my most positive and enduring and long lasting ones has been my encounter with and and, and journey with John fifteen, uh, particularly verses one to four. Mm-hmm. Uh, which have become for me, uh, in a sense, um, a marker, a, a reference point, um, a well that I return to mm-hmm. um, when I'm getting decentered, um, when I find myself uh, worried, when I find myself frenetic, yeah, uh, uh, and on a on a on a treadmill of. Uh, activity yeah. that um, I soon recognise is not going anywhere or I find myself frustrated. And the central question is, uh, am, am, I, am I straining to, to produce in my life or am I being patient and waiting for the fruit that comes from abiding? So I'm looking over your desk and you've got this this quote um, stuck on um, on your board there um, from Andre Nowen about he makes this distinction uh, between productivity and fruitfulness, and this has just been um, the thing I've come back to again and again and again. That you know you never see a branch straining to bear fruit. I mean, yeah, a, fr- yeah. a, a branch carries the fruit. Yeah, a branch participates in the fruit being born. Uh, and, uh, and, and uh, in their life or in its life mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't strain it. It, it it only can bear that which the sap gives life yeah. life to yeah. um, so that image for me has, has always been really um, really powerful and for me the, the importance then of um, attending to the inner journey um, this, this space of faith formation um, the, the inner world um, Working in the context that I'm in, in theological education, has copped more than enough of its fair critique about um, places where either uh, theoretical academics have ruled mm-hmm. um, or, um, or just pragmatics, you know, or the interaction between theory and practice. Yeah. So I go and learn the theology... Uh, and and or I might learn you know and how do I apply it to skills and whatever mm-hmm. um, and this is a this is a big part of my own um, uh, PhD research at the moment is and it, it, in theological education very broadly this is, this has been believe it or not um, just a, a big conversation <coughs> in the last say 30, 40 years again it is just returning um, to what what's been called um, an Athens model of, of theological education in, in, in contrast to a Berlin model. The Berlin model is a sense of uh, get the knowledge, get the theory, and then apply it to the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Athens model is in the sense of the formation of the person and from that well springing, springing fruit. Now, uh, I, love, 
I love theology. I enjoy thinking. I enjoy, uh, uh, you know, I'm naturally a thinker. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and I love um, seeing particularly, I'm inspired by people like you who are, um, you know, naturally have a can-do a, a can attitude and actually get, get stuff done. Um, I suppose what I'm trying to, and I, you know, and I see those dimensions in theological education, what I keep trying to help people, and this is what I love about, um, you know, where I work and many other places that I connect with is um, attending to the, to the inner journey. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is, if, if we don't attend to the pruning there that needs to happen, uh, to the nurturing, to the watering, uh, then it doesn't really matter how great your theology and thinking is or how great your, your methods your methods are, mm. um, then, then the fruit um, just doesn't, isn't born uh, very productively or, or fruitfully at all. See, I, I, in the last episode, I think you termed something like um, either pride or fear mm-hmm. in relation to <clears throat> spiritual practices yes, yes. and how we view God. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've reflected that in the circles of people that are, you know, paid professionals in the church world, so to speak, um, generally tend to be people who are fairly self-motivated, willful, um, strong-willed, <laughs> potentially as well, and, um, you know, have the ability to kind of, you know, like people go to the gym, they also engage with spiritual practices, which, yeah. you know, personally <clears throat> has given me a false sense of security, if you like, mm-hmm. in my own practices as yeah. opposed to the abiding. And it also disenfranchises and burns those people who may not have that same sort yeah. of discipri- disciplinary yes. behaviour and it also it doesn't represent the nature of God, who is for all. Yes, I suppose. yes. So it's been yeah, very, yeah, yeah. it's been quite confronting personally because I have the um, propensity to be able to get things done mm. and to be able to commit to things and keep doing them. But mm. you know, it was actually during my accident where I realised that, that a lot of those things were unable to be done. Yeah. And there was a there was a there was a strong feeling of forward motion and significance and fulfilment in them, mm. in the actual practice, yes, yes, not yes. the content. Yeah. Or the intent of what it is to yeah. expose yourself to faith nourishing practices. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Let me just talk about that. Um, so often our theology of of spiritual practices gets skewed because we um, we confuse the spiritual practice for the reality itself. Mm-hmm. So Thomas Merton says this: um, if if you're praying comes between you and God, cut it out. Yeah. Wow. If your praying comes between you and God, cut it out. The thing to do is go directly to God. Uh, so you go, what, what on earth is he talking about? But what he's trying to get at is that we, we confuse the practice, the means, for what it's actually about. So, yeah, this, so yeah. the simple thing is this, and this just sounds so obvious and cliche almost, that spiritual practices are about nurturing relationship. Yes. Right? Yep, date so night go, with my wife. Yeah, exactly. So let's let's talk about that. Not your date well, night. No. Well, I don't really want to talk about <laughs> your date night. But let's talk about a relationship. Yeah. This is the best. This is the best um, metaphor I've come up with at the moment. Yeah. Um, in John fifteen, the the Greek word for abiding yeah. is meno, which means living with, right? Dwelling with, remaining with, staying with. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so Sonia and I dwell with each other. Mm-hmm. We live with each other. We're in, and that which is another way of saying we're in a relationship with us, with each other. You abide with each other. Now we that's that's exactly right. Now um, 
we we live in our house and there are different rooms in our house and the rooms the different rooms mean different things mm -hmm. so the kitchen uh, is about hospitality and uh, preparing the uh, food and nurturing so that shapes our relationship in a particular way mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, the recreation room is about rest and enjoyment, etc. That shapes in a different way. Um, the the laundry about um, you know cleaning things, etc. Now, um, our family discipline. <laughs> yes. Sorry, Brooke and Ethan, and have a go home. <laughs> uh, you know, the bedroom about rest, about intimacy, shapes in a different way again. Yeah, yeah. Spiritual practices are in a sense like different rooms. So we have places different where we we, dwell. places where we dwell. They they set an environment. Different means of relating. Different means of relating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, okay. good. That's when, good. When Sonia and I, if we go camping, we're in a different room, in a sense, again. So yeah. it will shape us in a different way. We get obsessed about the rooms. Have I been in the room? How do I shape the room? Whatever. Is the room clean? But, you know, if, if I spent, if I was in the room with Sonia and all I was doing was trying to fix the room or make sure the room happens, and, you know, every morning between 6 and 6.30 or, you know, do you, do you see what I mean? Where yeah, yeah, actually yeah. it's about the relationship. So the spiritual practices that we have, meeting together with other people, yep. um, breaking bread, uh, reading scripture, engaging service, etc. They're like they they shape us in different ways, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but they're not the thing itself. Yeah, the woe, thing woe, it, woe betide too <laughs> that I clean the, my room up so that when the visitors come, they can see me dwelling exactly, with my wife in the room. Exactly. You yeah. Know. So I, I don't know if the I don't know if the metaphor helps. Uh, it really clarifies, but you know, I've just I've thought a lot about this this notion of Jesus saying, "Abide with me, live with me, dwell with me." So, what does it mean to have a spiritual practice that um, that nurtures that that dwelling, that relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Now we 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 lock onto the practices. We we lock onto them. Now, there across history, we, we'd be silly not to take note of the wisdom of generations and people of practices that are sustained for, for centuries and whatever. But the thing that, that, that hit me with this was when I was exploring this whole idea about a contemplative worldview and going, okay, I'm not at Warren Bowie and 25 and got hours for that particular spiritual practice. So what are the other practices? Yeah, yeah. Well, Noah and I, um, you know, I don't know if the, with your kids, but with, with my kids, we have different bedtime rituals, you know, and individually with them as well. Well, he and I used to, um, touch cheeks. Mm -hmm. We just had this this thing we used to do. It occurred to me one night that that was a spiritual practice for me. Mm -hmm. There was a sense, and it's hard to describe, it sounds a bit wacky, but it was like I'm brushing on the cheek of God here. Mm -hmm. And so I started to just actually engage with Noah mm -hmm. and engage with God in that simple, very human, physical practice. Yeah. Now it doesn't. You won't probably read that in a book of, that says ten spiritual practices that'll, that'll make you a holy Christian yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but but the the key thing. This is what I realise. It's not a matter of how spiritual we are, but actually about how human we are. Growing into the image of Jesus means becoming more fully human. Yeah, yeah. Because Jesus is the true human. Yeah. He shows us what it means to be human. We, we often talk about. In a negative sense, oh, I'm only human. As yeah. in, I've mucked up, I've stuffed yeah, up, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So what I'm, trying against to, me. what I'm trying to do is shed my humanity and, and float off to be like some ethereal Jesus. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. Jesus. The whole Christian journey and the whole Christian walk is about 
actually living more deeply into my humanity yeah, in yeah. the image of God. And so practices that encourage that embodiment for me have actually brought me a lot of life and a lot of challenge. Yeah. Um, that, that all might sound, sound a bit uh, kind of out there, but, you know, so things like hospitality, I mean, the whole thing about eating, you know, we, ju- we just do it all the time. Yeah. Are we attentive to what the invitation of God is to in that, in that rhythm of that practice? Yeah, yeah. Um, as, as a housing, as a room for nurturing yeah. w- what's happening between God and I, what's happening between God, uh, uh, myself and others as well. Regardless of whether you have bread and wine that's been correctly instituted or otherwise. <laughs> correctly yeah. instituted or otherwise, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. It just it always reminds me of a conversation I had with Stuart Ryman. We were putting on a roof up at the Craigs on their shed and you know, we smelt dinner being cooked by Big Rob's mother and Stewie said at 10 o'clock, he said, oh, I cannot wait till lunch. We started, you know, the ensuing conversation was around, you know, God didn't have to invent food. We could have survived on sunlight or something yeah. like that. But he knew that food was, you know, f- food is pleasurable to eat. And it usually happens with someone. Mm. And so, you know, the multi-layered pervasiveness of who God is in our humanity mm. is is quite beautiful. Mm. You know, the cheek on cheek, the God, yes. with, the God with skin on the... Yes. And, that, and that kind of is a, is a good describer in, your, in the first episode. You, you said, you know, you essentially have gone from a, um, a pie graph view mm. of God to a contemplative yeah, disposition, yeah, a, wagon, yeah. a wagon wheel. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that, that in, embraces life and all the complexities and ups and downs and ins and outs mm. in a way that enables you to nurture the relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's absolutely. fantastic. Um, the one thing I'd add to that <clears throat> is that it's, it's lovely to look at the, you know, uh, engaging in camping and nature as a spiritual practice or touching my son's cheek as a, as a spiritual practice. The more challenging thing for me has been to think about the negative things we get confronted with. So the, the newspaper article, a news story that is just deeply troubling and difficult. Yeah. Where, how, how will this frame my walk with you, God? Where is there an invitation for me to wake up to to be attentive to you in the midst of this. So for me, things like that, um, the whole lost discipline or practice of lament, of sorrow, uh, of wondering, of questioning, of wrestling as a critical spiritual practice. Yeah, yeah. Equally important as the lovely, beautiful, nurturing uh, kind of instances. It's one of those um, situations at this juncture as we close off this episode, if we open up with lamentations and <laughs> engaging with God, you're going to have to go back to this episode and listen to it. Um, but uh, we'll sign off um, for this um, particular conversation and uh, re-engage in just a moment, Bruce, uh, and potentially pick up on that yep. uh, because it challenges, I think it challenges my view of God <clears throat> and how this whole thing works when it comes to not just trying to seek understanding with things that are difficult but to engage with it as a means by which we can relate to God. Is that yeah, if yeah, I have yeah, I heard yeah, you correctly yeah, in saying yeah, that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks again Bruce. Cheers. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you in a sec.